Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Nintendo's podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jake. And I am Brayden on the other end. Hello. And together, we make Nintendo's podcast, a podcast where we talk about Nintendo video games. We talk about what we've been playing, something more current and new, and we also talk about a Nintendo every week, a classic game that we want to put a spotlight on. Heck yeah, and this week we have a classic Nintendo game that many people have played, and so stick around for that. I think it'll be a a good conversation. For sure, for sure. So uh, I guess let's go ahead and get into what we've been playing in the past week or so. I'll get a quick one out of the way. So ever since the beginning of this COVID-19 pandemic, I have wanted to get my hands on a little game called Ring Fit Adventure. Oh. And it, it just so happened that when everything started going down... Ring Fit Adventure became impossible to get your hands on. I don't know if you right. knew this, but I did because right when I when it was like, all right, everybody stay inside, social distance, I was like, yes, I'm going to do my part. Oh no, I'm going to get fat. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I've got to try and find some way to keep myself active. Uh-huh. And I, my head immediately went to Ring Fit Adventure because while it looks gimmicky and honestly kind of dumb from afar, mm-hmm. I had heard nothing but amazing things online about it you know about how not only was it fun but it was also a legitimate workout so i was like okay i'm gonna get this cut to you know three months of it just being sold out everywhere forever until i started seeing some people on facebook groups posting oh i finally got ring fit i finally got it on amazon i got it at gamestop so uh, i started checking my gamestop every single day and one day last week one gamestop in my area had one copy so i got in my car and i drove all the way down there and i was able to secure ring fit adventure was it a smart financial decision i don't know because that's an expensive game but i I have it (laughs) it's an 80 dollars game but uh finally have it and i'd like to say that i have been doing it every day but uh i have not and (laughs) the main reason for that if you want if you want honesty is the day i got it i brought it home and I, i broke it out and i went okay I'm going to play this for just a little bit. And then I'm going to go back and, you know, work on this other game I have to be reviewing. And I put about an hour into it. And by the end of the hour, I was drenched in sweat. My legs (laughs) felt like noodles. My arms were dying. And I was like, is this real life? Do I actually feel like this because of, you know, a video game? And I'm here to report that it was because of the video game and my legs hurt for a week. And I've played it probably three or four times since then. And uh, in in what length intervals do they what what length intervals of gameplay do they encourage? You know, it's it's hard to really tell because after every level, which takes anywhere from like five to like 15 minutes or so, uh-huh. they're always like, take a break. So you don't really see much outside of that. I don't think I've ever played enough where okay. they where it would give me the the full stop, you know, like, hey, you should stop. But right. I've been playing about an hour at a time. Because after an hour, it feels like I'm useless. <laughs> right. Well, that takes me back to like my Dance Dance Revolution days. I definitely understand that <laughs> drenched in sweat, just numb noodle feeling. Yeah. I mean, I have to preface that I am out of shape. I haven't worked yeah. out in, in years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my muscles are not as strong as maybe they should be. So I'm going to preface <laughs> that by saying if, if you're if you're someone who considers themselves in shape, you, you might be able to get a little bit more mileage at the start. <laughs> than I did. But um it's a lot of fun, you know. It, it it does feel like a video game. I will say that. The fact that you 
gain experience and you're fighting monsters and there are worlds, you know, it gives me a real motivation to keep going. You know, that is kind of what I've also heard about the game is that, well, actually the game itself is fun in addition to kind of the Wii Fit kind of workout aspects of, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to take it into real life and give you some real life benefits out of the gameplay. But just that this, I don't know if there's a story, you you can tell me that, but, you know, just that the, the gameplay and that there's still RPG elements incorporated or something like that. Right. And, and there, there's a very light story. You know, it's like, oh, there's an evil guy and he's going to, like, destroy the world. And you have to stop him by working out, you know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so and who are the characters? It's it, it's very light, but it's there. So far, only there's like your guy who's just like nameless Avatar. Okay. There's, I think his name is just Ring. I, I don't remember. But there's like the Ring guy who is a character. Okay. And is, a, and is an amazing workout partner. Because it's really funny as you work out, he'll be like, okay let's go one more <laughs> you know stuff like that and nice. like, yes uh-huh. thank you you're the motivation i needed <laughs> um and then there's the bad guy who's like dragar or something who's this like giant black dragon wearing a leotard that's like a muscle head <laughs> and is gonna like okay destroy the world or something you know what i mean so right right yeah that's all i've run into so far there's also like all the monsters you fight are all like workout themed like they look like dumbbells or like you know, some okay, kind of weights. Interesting. It's, it's cute. cute. The music is very good. It's it's just it feels like a good workout. And then outside of the adventure, there is other like modes where you can go into a specific like set and be like, all right, I just want to work out my like glutes or my you know upper arms, mm-hmm. you know stuff like that. And there's different like sets yeah. you can do that where you don't have to worry about the whole adventure stuff. Uh, there's also like a rhythm mode. Okay. Where they have music from Ring Fit Adventure, and then they also have some songs from like Zelda, Mario, and Splatoon. Oh, where nice. You can just do like a rhythm mini game that's like not much of a workout, but like still gets you moving. So there, it feels like there's a lot of value in this game. I, I would say if you if you see yourself using it every day, every other day, I do think it's worth the eighty dollars, and I'm definitely gonna try and, and keep using it. You know. Well, and so I guess my we can move off this, but my last question would be just about the accessory itself, because it does come with this, I don't know the material, uh, but it seems like rubbery almost, bouncy ring. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, it's uh, so I remember when I was seeing footage of that when they first announced it, I was like, dude, I feel like I would snap that in half, you know, because it's all about pulling in and, put, and right. pushing in on it. It looks really fragile and plasticky. Right, and it, it's not. It's not at all. Okay. I mean, I'm sure if you were super strong, you could, but I know I can't. Like, I push in with all my force, and and it, it's it's given me a workout, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it's, it's, it's really strong. It feels sturdy. There's also a leg strap that you put on. You put one of the Joy-Cons on this ring, and you use that, and you put the other one on, a, like, a leg strap that you put on your leg that it uses to right. see if you're doing, right about like, that. squats or jog and stuff like that, so... Uh, that stays on pretty well. And yeah, I, I'd say they're pretty high quality accessories as far as accessories go. Oh, and on the ring, one of the cool things is after every time that you finish a workout, it, it'll be like, oh, do you want to check your heartbeat? And you can you can stick your finger on the Joy-Con that's on your ring and it will read your heartbeat. You're kidding. How, no. What, do you put it on the thumb, like on the joystick or what? No, you put it on, you know how, um, I think it's the right uh, Joy-Con. You know how it has like a black like bar on the bottom of I, it? Yes, the yes, I do know what you mean. 
Yeah, so that's like that's like an IR sensor that's used for like this. Right. And so you put your you put your like hand on that or you put your finger, your thumb on that and it reads your it reads your pulse, which is crazy. That's pretty me. crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. I think it's really neat. Very it's a very nifty game. It's it's good for workouts. And uh I honestly, if you can get your hands on it and you've got the money, uh, I highly recommend it. Cool. Well, you've you've definitely sold it to me. Uh price tag still a little steep, but maybe I'll catch it on discount like I did a Labo. Yeah, but I don't know if this one's going to go on discount cuz it's still a little more high somewhere. demand, you know. Right, right. Yeah. right. It, especially in Japan where demand hasn't, you know, where there hasn't been any supply restraints. If you look at the top 10 sellers uh, every week as they come out, Ring Fit is always like number 3 or number 4 in Japan, like That's every funny. week. So, it's selling well enough that I doubt you're going to see a Labo-esque price drop anytime soon you might but sure. I, I honestly i'd be surprised especially because it's nintendo yeah and their prices always stay up you're you are absolutely correct well i'm, I'm glad that's cool you you keep working out man um do you have you played anything <laughs> else yeah i've played a few things uh but do we want to take turns what, what's something you've been playing yeah sure Ooh, you know what so this is going to be going back to uh i believe two episodes ago where we had clay visiting i discussed right. my experience with the wheel of fortune game show game mm-hmm. but it was actually part of a two-pack where the other side of the game was jeopardy and so i figured i'd give the the fine listeners of Gems a full review of america's greatest game shows um the <laughs> switch game and so uh wheel of fortune if you didn't listen to the last episode it was actually okay it you know, it played fairly similarly to the actual game show. Jeopardy um, was a little bit different. It wasn't quite as in-depth in that you didn't type your answers. It gave you three multiple choices for each question, but the questions were presented just like in the Jeopardy game show. There were six or seven categories across the tops with the values of $200, $400, whatever. And uh, you, you pick your question. They're generally very difficult. Um, it just like they don't, they didn't soften it for the switch or to make it kid friendly or anything. Like the $1,000 questions are incredibly difficult, but it's, it is kind of nice that you don't have to type an answer in. You kind of just press A to buzz in and then it gives you three multiple choices and you kind of you can kind of work from there. I did only play this in the car locally with my wife while we were just cruising down the road. Um, so I didn't utilize the online features for Jeopardy like I did with Wheel of Fortune, but it was a fairly consistent representation of the game if you are a fan of Jeopardy. And I just I thought I would give it a little bit of recognition because it wasn't a total train wreck. Hey, I'm glad to hear that. I honestly really like games like that. You know, they're they're good for parties and such, I think. Right. And more than anything, it just turned out to be an incredible trivia game, you know, and you, you should expect that from Jeopardy. But I really did kind of expect some of the categories or maybe even the questions to be dumbed down a little bit for, you know, maybe all ages or families. But if you're playing seriously and you want to win and guess correctly, you know, it's pretty difficult. Yeah, is is all I'm trying to say, I think. I mean, most of those questions on Jeopardy, at least whenever I watch Jeopardy, because I watch Jeopardy like an old man. (laughs) I mean, I don't I have no idea. I have absolutely Mm -hmm. no idea. But everyone on the show is always an idiot when they get it wrong. I'm such an idiot. (laughs) because they always miss the stuff that we do know all right they're so dumb (laughs) but sorry sorry i wasted my 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 turn on uh jeopardy but do you want to go ahead and bounce off what what else you've been playing yeah so um 
I've been playing a game called CrossCode. Have you heard of this one? I have not, no. Okay, so I have been playing the PS4 version. And full disclaimer, I have heard that the Switch version is a little bit technically worse. It has, just from what I've heard online, some frame rate issues, uh, a little bit of slowdown. But other than that, same experience. So CrossCode Mm -hmm. is a 16-bit kind of inspired game. It takes place in the distant future. And you play as this character named Leah. And she is in this like Sword Art Online esque like, cool. MMO, you know, uh-huh. like VR MMO. And but like the twist is that the MMO takes place on like a real planet that like isn't Earth. Uh, so there are like real people on like the planet. Interesting. That they're kind of controlling from a distance. Oh well, no. The 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 players of the video game are just digital like avatars that like appear there, but there are also people on the planet that aren't players of the game and are just like, people that like live there. Bizarre. Okay. Yeah. So Leah wakes up in this game and she has like amnesia. She can't like log out herself and she's being guided by this like person who's talking to her. Oh, she's also mute. So she wakes up, she can't speak and she, uh, wow. she has no memories. And so she's being guided by someone who's like, uh, I'll explain things as you go along, just like go play this game. And she's basically like doing MMO esque stuff as bits and pieces of her story are being revealed. And uh, honestly, dude, it's amazing. Like, it's so good. It's it's an action RPG. So, you know, you've got active active combat, uh, like real-time combat, I mean. But the I guess another one of the twists there is her her character class, quote-unquote, in the game is called the Sphere Master. So she can, like, shoot, like, balls at her enemies okay. uh, at, like, a rapid pace. And so you can do, like, a mixture of, like, ranged and melee combat. And as you go along and progress and level up and stuff, you unlock all these different abilities and stuff. It's a ton of fun. The art is super good. The music is super good. The story is really intriguing. About half of the game takes place in dungeons that have really intricate, complex puzzles that Uh honestly take, took me far too long at times to figure (laughs) out. So you said the art style was really good and it does. It's pixel art, actually. Is it pretty consistent throughout? It looks gorgeous in these screenshots I'm seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's the kind of cutscene dialogue-esque character models or the character models actually in the game that you control, everything is beautiful. The environments are beautiful. Mm -hmm. The characters are beautiful. The enemies are beautiful. Dude, I'm telling you, I love this game. I gave it a 9 out of 10 because the only thing that that feels like it might be holding it back is the the sphere launching mechanic is done with the like right stick and it, it, it it's clear that that mechanic was built for a mouse you know what i mean so there are some times where it's hard to hit precise shots on like uh-huh. a controller you know i don't really know how the developers could have fixed that there's probably no real way uh but honestly that's the only thing that like was holding it back for me so i gave it a nine out of ten it might be like, aside from Persona Five Royal, probably the best game I've played this year. Like it's it's so wow. good. And so, is this a full sized forty hour game, or is this a small little indie thing that you can clear in fifteen hours? Yeah, what it's uh, I'd, it's about thirty hours, I'd say, depending on if you're doing side quests and stuff. It is twenty dollars. Um, also, you have Xbox, don't you? Do you have Game Pass? You know, I recently unsubscribed because I've been spending so much time on my Switch recently. But right. you know, I've been I'm familiar with it. Well, this game is on Game Pass, so if you did have Game Pass, okay. you would you would already have it. But uh, twenty dollars on Switch, twenty dollars on PS4. 
probably still $20 on PC. It came out in 2018 on PC. So this is like a console port. You know what I mean? Right. Gotcha. But it's, it's fantastic. Like, honestly, if you were, if you consider yourself a fan of action RPGs, I'd say it's a must play. Very cool. I I definitely have to look into it because at that price point and that amount of content, you know, it's, it sounds pretty tempting. It's really, really good. Rolling off of that, I guess I'll I'll take my next turn. And I will say, just speaking of action RPGs, JRPGs, maybe, I'm still playing Xenoblade, still slogging through it two-thirds <laughs> of the way, it, and it's still great, but I won't take my turn just saying that. I also, this week, picked up the Bioshock collection for the Nintendo Ooh. Switch. Yeah, and it contains all three Bioshock games, Bioshock 1, 2, and Infinite. So I bought this collection only having played the first Bioshock game and Infinite and both are at least in the top 50 games I would say that Bioshock 1 is probably in my top 20 games of all time I just love the world the ambiance the story etc and I took this opportunity to start Bioshock 2 for my first time so that's where I'm kind of starting with the collection and so far so good but it, it is definitely, you know, one of those 360 ports that it, it kind of feels that way. You know, have you played Bioshock before? I have dabbled in it. Uh, I've played the first one and an infinite as well, actually. And they were cool, but I, I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of the gameplay. You know, I, I didn't like the controls, how it handled. So that that held me back from really finishing either of them. And you know what? That is exactly where I would say the weakest parts of the game are. The gameplay is not that strong. So for all three games, actually, it's a combination of guns, a little bit of melee, and then you have these things called plasmids, which are DNA-altering superpowers, essentially. You inject yourself with a formula, and then you have fire powers or electric powers. It makes more sense in the context of the world, but those are the forms of combat, and it never, ever feels fluid. You always feel pretty powerful, and, you know, the enemies are not very strong, but just Right. In my experience, none of the games have been fluid, Call of Duty-esque, first-person shooter experiences. They're all pretty clunky. Right. The character movements have never been smooth. But it's a brilliant story. It's a brilliant world to explore. And they do present new powers and new guns all throughout the game. So it's fun. It kind of feels like a Doom-like speed run high intensity shooting real fast running around in circles and then it's over i will i don't know kind of arena shooter almost what would you mm. call that yeah I, I see where you're coming from there from what i've noticed it, it feels like bioshock is all about everybody really really loves like the story and everything you know what i mean mm. and the gameplay i don't know some people like it but it was never for me i i guess i would say yeah, I, arena-ish, I guess. I don't I don't really know how I would describe it. <laughs> to me, it feels like it was a whole genre back on like the 360 PS3 days. Like it was just, you can slap any skin on a first person shooter, no matter how clunky it might've played. And then they called it a working game. And Bioshock happened to have an appealing storyline. Regardless, I am enjoying Bioshock 2 for my first playthrough ever. Apparently, it's an alternate timeline from the first game, which does make sense if you've played Bioshock Infinite, which is all about time travel and alternate realities. But I am enjoying my first playthrough with Bioshock 2. It's great to be playing as a big daddy, which were horrifying in the first game. 
and and the little sisters are back. I just killed my first big sister. So if you've played any of the games, you know what I'm talking about. But I just love the philosophy behind the games. They're all incredibly fleshed out worlds. The first two games take place in an underwater city built by a libertarian man, I guess you would say, who was sick of the parasites and the government and he didn't believe in religion and he believed every man deserved to reap what he sowed with his own hands and nobody should be able to take that away from him. So he built a city underwater and that's where you are exploring, but things have gone horribly wrong. And and so that's captivating enough. The in Bioshock Infinite, it's an entirely new world up in the sky. A city has been built, essentially a, a new America has been built up in the sky in an alternate reality. So you get to explore that. Um, if you've never played Bioshock before, I would wait till the price drops. I managed to get it for $30, where it is normally selling for $50 at the moment. I would wait till it's down to $20 or $30 if you've never played Bioshock before. If you have played Bioshock before and you just have the hankering to play it, I would maybe just try and find a used copy of an older system or something like that. But to to be able to have all three Bioshock games on a N- Nintendo console is, again, pretty neat. But I guess that's just the novelty of these ports that they're pumping out as well. Right, for sure. I, I mean, I feel like I've heard pretty good things about, yeah, all of the, the 2K ports. Because wasn't it three collections came out like right around the same time? Right. They did XCOM, they did Bioshock and Borderlands, uh, but not like the complete collection. They did like the handsome collection or something like that. Right. But yeah, the, the quality is not awful. The sound kind of clips around. Like if you if you are facing a radio, for instance, the sound is clear. But if you turn sideways, the, the volume just clips in strange ways. And so that's kind of Weird. annoying. The water effects are still there and really good. But again, a lot of the high speed action just doesn't feel very good because the enemies kind of just fly around. Some of them are really easy to kill. Some of them are really difficult to kill. And so the highlight of the Bioshock experience for me is not necessarily the gameplay, but it is fun and keeps it fresh, giving you new powers and plasmids to play with. And and they really do work well with the environment they've created. So it, it's a fun game. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I, that's kind of what I've been playing this week. Do you have anything else to add to the pile? Yeah, I've got one more. So I have been blessed with an, an early copy of Deadly Premonition 2, A Blessing in Disguise. Oh, did you say you've been blessed? Uh, I have been cursed, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, man. Tell me about it. Do you know do you know anything about Dudley Premonition? I know a little bit. I know the first game is sort of a cult classic in that it it has a solid core base game but just it's a buggy mess. And and I guess I'll let you pick up on where the second one is. Yeah, basically the first game uh came out in like 2010 on I believe it was 360 and PS3. And uh if you've ever seen a a David Lynch film or watched Twin Peaks or something like that, it basically garnered a fan base because it feels like you're playing t- Twin Peaks or playing a David Lynch film. You know, it's like sure. the story is nonsensical and has it just feels <laughs> like a like you're watching a B film and the acting is terrible, but also it's like kind of charming. You know, uh huh. So like for instance, I, I I don't know about the first game, but like in the second game, the main character uh, York is talking to someone about how his car was stolen, and he's like. But when my car was stolen, I found a skateboard. And so I skateboarded into town, probably about five miles. And it was quite the journey of self-discovery. What the heck? And I I remember I just like, 
burst out laughing and i was like oh and he was God. serious yeah 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 like completely serious um i love it yeah so there's a lot of lines like that that just you know make very little sense uh the main character york he has like an imaginary friend or like he ha- he's like schizophrenic or something so he's an fbi agent but he's always talking to someone named zach so he'll be like talking to other people and then he'll be like uh yes this this reminds me of the the 1980 film the shining directed by stanley kubrick isn't that right zach what? and everyone's just like huh yeah i don't know so like the story just it's weird and it's eccentric and it makes no sense and it's absurd the story and and the, the terrible acting that's the reason mm-hmm. people like deadly premonition and the reason people would like deadly premonition too there's a lot of stupid stuff in the story a lot of stuff that makes no sense a lot of stuff that feels boring mm-hmm. but it is i mean i have to admit it is entertaining to a point right i've heard it equated almost to the room the movie that cult yes, classic movie yes. that so hated that it's loved it's so bad that it's great you know i and so would you say that's kind of in a similar vein absolutely yeah but i will say that that is where my praises for the game stop (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah i was was afraid of if you've seen any video from this game you can tell that it looks like a game from 2007 and not even a good game from 2007 you know there are definitely games from back then that look far better than this everything just looks horrendous like the character models would look fine perhaps but like their movements and their rigs feel very stiff like they don't look like real people most of the time you know what i mean they have these weird rigid movements and stuff that they just look like they're robots right acting like they're people did they update the models between the two oh yeah yeah i mean they're definitely different models but uh they're just they're not good (laughs) you know like they have the capacity to be good but they're not the world itself looks terrible it's very muddy very pixelated the game runs at a consistent frame rate of like 10 like it's really bad right that's the video that i saw was just him actually skateboarding through a park it seemed at about 10 frames per second and that's how a lot of the game is things run a little bit better when you go indoors but it's it's still not good (laughs) and then like the gameplay itself is boring i'm pretty sure the developers call it a survival horror i disagree (laughs) yeah so it's you know you play as this fbi agent He, he he goes to this louisiana town because he's trying to find why this this girl has been killed you know there's this girl they'd find her body she was 16 years old and they they find her body in like the swamp on an altar like cut into like seven pieces you know so they bring the fbi in and it's it's York's job to find the killer. So uh, a good a good portion of the gameplay is running from place to place being like, I'm going to look at the clues. And then from these clues, I can deduce that I need to go here or I need to go there or I think this person's guilty. But then if you happen to be running around outside when it's fr- between midnight and 6 a.m., the world that turns into like dark hour or something like dusk or something, you know what I mean? Like demon hour or something. And these like, demons just come out and start attacking you and his gun he has like a tranquilizer gun but then his gun like fuses into his arm and it becomes like this weird bone thing and so it turns into like like a third person shooter but okay. the the shooting like the combat itself is also terrible you know it's it just like really, really basic and boring the 
the boss like there are bosses and stuff and i i fought one of the bosses and it was it was so easy like they were doing all these attacks and like shooting things out and i just sat in one place and just shot at her like a bunch of times and she just like died and i was like that was anticlimactic so yeah i would say if you are a fan of deadly premonition one you're probably gonna like this game because the story is there in, in droves. Honestly, I found myself uh-huh. laughing a lot at what was being said, and and it has that 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 charm that I guess people expect from Deadly Premonition. But everything else about the game is just so terrible that I cannot really, in good conscience, recommend this to anyone. <laughs> I hate this game. Right. Um, also, it's fifty dollars, which is Yowza. insane. Yeah, the developer slash publisher, I think it was the publisher, tweeted the other day saying that they are planning on patching it. It is a, <laughs> it is a Switch exclusive, actually. Deadly Premonition 2 is. But its reviews are very polarizing. Like, I want to say DualShockers gave it a 9. God is a Geek gave it, like, an 8.5. And then you've got, like, IGN give it, and Destructoid gave it 5s. Um, and then, like, GameSpot or places like that gave it, like, 2s. So its reviews are, like, all over the place. And I guess it just depends on what you're going in to this looking for. Right. If, if you want a good game, do not get this. It's very bad. It is not worth putting up with all of the gameplay BS for the, you know, enjoy, <laughs> semi-enjoyable cheesy story. But I mean, I guess if you've got $50 to spare and you just really want to go mess around with, with Special Agent York and his friend Zach for like Special 20 friend hours. Zach. I mean... Yeah, dude, it's so this game is so weird. Maybe going back to the first game, how much of it was like a localization thing, or is this just a an American made game that's weird from the start? It's definitely it's Japanese, but it's not it's not localization. Like this guy, uh, the developer's name is Sweary or something like that. Uh, he specializes in games like this. Like he's had like multiple games of the same vein. So I see. Okay. It's not. It's definitely not a localization thing. You know, it's definitely a, a, a developer thing. Gotcha. Interesting. Here we yeah. Go. So like, I don't know. If you really want to spend fifty dollars on this, and and you know that you're gonna, you know, you're a big fan of the first one, I think you'll enjoy this. But outside of that, it's not worth your time. Even if like, you know, I've heard people talking about these this patch and stuff. Even if they were to patch the frame rate and stuff you would have to just rebuild this game. You know what I mean? Like there's no patch that is going to make this game, in my opinion, like <laughs> quality. Exactly. I, now, something that I'm probably going to say when I write my official review in the next day or two, if this was be able to have been built at a production level uh, akin to a Hideo Kojima game, I think this would be wow. amazing. Because, I mean, the story honestly kind of reminds me of Kojima stuff. Because if you've played Metal Gear Solid, that story makes no sense. Right. You know? It's just left turn. Up it's like, turn. what's going on here? Like, this is just crazy BS. You're making stuff up. Like, even a lot of the acting is not great. Same with Death Stranding, you know? But those games are somehow amazing because the game itself is good. And if this game were to have polished graphics and good gameplay, and, and, and if it ran technically well, then I would be like, Yes, this is worth playing even just for the story because the story is honestly kind of enjoyable. But uh, man, it's just it's so bad. <laughs> it's it's definitely it definitely feels irredeemable to me. 
Well, I guess we'll keep an eye out to just to see if they drop any patches or anything. But I, I guess we'll we'll see what happens. For sure. And yeah, that's pretty much everything I've been playing this week. All right, man. I, that was a that was a pretty decent buffet we had there. I'd say we covered quite a few genres. We we swiped some good games there. Absolutely. All right. So do you want to move on to our Nintendo gem of the week? Yes, sir. Let's do it. It's a it is a gem. All right. So we're talking about Super Mario Bros. Two this week for the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System. Woohoo! <laughs> Brayden, what a what's what's your history with Super Mario Brothers two? So my history begins with the Nintendo Power magazine. I would say back in 2001, when Super Mario Advance 2 came out, Nintendo Power published a huge map of the first world or two. And I had that magazine and I just, I actually have vivid memories of sitting on the toilet, looking at this Nintendo Power magazine, looking at the maps of the, the first couple levels of Super Mario Bros. 2 and and working them out. And that is a very, very potent memory for me. Um, it, it, it's a, it is quite a game and quite a step up from its predecessor, I would say. Now, so just to clarify, we are talking about the Doki Doki whatever. Doki Doki Panic. It's something something. Doki um, Doki. So we are talking about that one, right? Yes, I definitely want to talk about that. And I just didn't know if you wanted to cover those bases or what. No, I just think it's it's very con- it's a controversial thing for you to say that it's leagues and bounds better than the first one. Because a lot of people would would disagree with you there. Really? You think Super Mario Bros. the original is better than Super Mario Bros. 2? Would you say so? I I enjoy Super Mario Bros. 2 much more than the first one, but I don't think that they're really comparable because the second one, the quote-unquote second one, isn't even really a Mario game. Oh, touche. All right. Shall we Shall we dive into this rabbit hole? Absolutely, yeah. Give us a history lesson, Brayden. All right. I'll do my best to make this clear and concise. Um, so... Nintendo began the Mario series with Super Mario Bros. uh, for the NES, and then it was a a runaway success. Everyone loved it. In Japan, they released Super Mario Bros. 2. That's all well and good, right? Right, yeah. So Nintendo of America had recently been formed and, and was gaining autonomy, and they decided that the Japanese Super Mario Bros. 2 was too difficult for American audiences. And they said, we want a different game. So Nintendo of Japan said that, yes, we can do that. And took a prototype for the Japanese version of Super Mario Bros. 2 called Doki Doki Panic. And they reskinned it. Well, kept some of the characters from this Doki Doki series. And also Doki Doki Panic, as far as I'm aware, wasn't just a prototype for Super Mario Bros. 2. It was just its own game that was just out there. And they just took it and changed it and made it Mario. Originally, Doki Doki Panic was a Mario game, and the the mechanics of digging up things and you can float as certain characters and things like that, they then took those mechanics and made it into Doki Doki Panic. Then, right, really. years later, they reskinned Doki Doki Panic into the American version of Super Mario Bros. 2. Does that all make sense? Yes, yes. That, that seems to line up with fact. Okay, cool, good. I'm I'm saying true things. And so, actually, the rest of the world got a different version of Super Mario Bros. 2 than Japan did. It was also a huge, massive, massive success. 
which is super cool. We love the game. A couple years later, Japan received our version of Super Mario Bros. 2 in the form of Super Mario USA. And then we received the Japanese version of Super Mario Bros. 2 in the form of Super Mario The Lost Levels in Super Mario All-Stars for SNES. Correct, correct. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I guess I guess that's the strange history of this game. So people might have been really confused when going from Mario 1 to Mario 2, because when you play Mar- Super Mario Bros. 1 and Super Mario Bros. 3, those games are very, very similar. But then you play Super Mario Bros. 2, and it's, you know, completely different. I mean, I mean, it's still a platformer, but it feels very different. Yeah, like you said, the, the mechanic of picking up the, the turnips and throwing them and having four distinct characters that'll play slightly different like very different than mario one or mario three or super mario world for that matter absolutely and and that really is a testament to this just being a port a reskin of a different game that was never necessarily anticipated to be a mario game a mario game and you know honestly the mario series is is better off i think after having super mario brothers 2 because it gave us birdo it gave us shy guy I guess those are really only the two big ones, but hey, Birdo and Shy Guy, great characters (laughs) that we wouldn't have gotten if it wasn't for Super Mario Bros. 2. You're so correct. And I've actually said before on the podcast, I think it was back when Super Mario Maker 2 came out, that I am just not a big Mario guy, at least the 2D games. I don't love 2D platformers with all my heart, and Mario often works my nerves, but this is a great 2d mario game i think it is just the difference in mechanics between jumping on your enemies versus having to throw things at them or throw them at other enemies i think there's something more satisfying about that to me maybe just a little more accessible and potentially easy depending on who you ask i've also addressed that on the podcast before Uh, i'm bad at games so i like an easy game uh, (laughs) i feel that but super mario bros 2 is definitely one of my favorite 2d mario games yeah uh, i'm the same way i like a 2d mario game you know but i uh i don't know something about super mario brothers 2 just just really hits different for me i love the music i love the world i love the way the game looks graphically um like you were like you kind of mentioned uh, i love the four different characters so like Mm -hmm. every time you play it it might be played a little bit differently you know if you play as peach instead of mario or luigi or toad i don't know i just I really like Super Mario Brothers 2 and I will I am more apt to go back and play Super Mario Brothers 2 more than Mario 1 or Mario 3 that's for sure. I totally agree and 3 has some good things going for it such as the overworld the overworld map where you have to travel to different levels but 2 it, the gameplay is there for me. That's where that's some peak Mario. Did you end up ever playing it on the Game Boy Advance with uh or on the SNES, for that matter, with kind of the, the upgraded 16-bit graphics? No, I don't think I ever have. I think I've only ever played the NES version. Really? It it actually looks really pretty. It's worth seeing the kind of upgrades that they managed to do for Super Mario All-Stars, which, for those not in the know, was a, a collection of all three Mario games that they then released for the Super NES. and the, But they also updated the graphics, the music, for this new console that was you know technically twice as powerful so it's the graphical upgrade was impressive and then i think they may have done it again for the game boy advance version not positive but but both look great yeah i mean i've seen i've seen screenshots and stuff from them and they definitely do look good i don't know why i've never 
messed around with those, but uh, they've just never never been in my on my radar. Never been in my hands, I guess. Well, and and if it's the same game, you know what I mean. You're not missing anything other than just just some prettier pixels. Yeah. Um. Now, a question for you: How do you feel about? Uh, I feel like we're allowed to spoil this. How do you feel about this game's ending? Because I always thought it was really funny. Like at the end of the game, it's like, oh, it's all it's all Mario's dream. That is pretty strange because in the beginning you see them all together and they're they they seem to go all to this world together but then mario just wakes up in the end pretty pretty interesting uh do you think that was a pretty big trope back then for games yet just everything was oh a dream. i'm i'm not sure but i think it was their way of explaining away how different everything is you know right away like, from the bowser scene yeah and then they also must have known when this game was coming out oh super mario brothers 3 which is much more similar to super mario Bros. 1 is coming out in the next year or two so we have to explain why we've gone back. You know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, I'm sure people fully expected, maybe after Super Mario Brothers 2 coming out, that this is how the Mario series was now. Yeah, that's an interesting idea that it had set a precedent that then it wasn't met again at Super Mario Bros. 3. But I do know that, that the time difference between the releases of Super Mario Bros. 2 in America and Super Mario Bros. 3 in Japan was, like you said, just probably less than a year. And so audiences were seeing very different gameplay styles between these two releases. I've got to agree with you where out of the original three NES Mario platformers, uh, this is definitely my favorite. Absolutely. Um, who's your favorite character? You have to pick one. Go. Probably uh, Luigi, honestly. I like, oh, good I like call. His, his hop. Right. This sets so many standards for these characters that we know and love so much. Like Luigi's little feet flutter. Um, Peach, she floats, you know, and um, picks up the turnips. I guess they all do. But, you know, those are some <laughs> yeah. classic attacks. Right. What does Toad do? What makes him different? I believe he just picks things up faster. He has like a, a faster oh. attack rate, more or less. I got to tell you, I don't think I ever wanted to play as Toad as a kid. So I don't I don't have a big memory of, uh, of I, what Toad does. I, yeah, I, I definitely dodged him. He, I don't think he could jump as far either. So like it just always felt like a, a handicap more than anything. Uh, yeah. But yeah, do you have any you have any uh, closing thoughts, I guess, about Super Mario Brothers 2? I would say go play it if you have a Nintendo Switch online subscription uh you should have access to the nes collection and it is there uh if you've never played this game before i would definitely highly recommend it because it is a platforming classic it's clearly part of what started the mario series off uh back in the day and it's definitely just worth some of your time to see what what the game was about yeah i think you i think you said it perfectly uh, i agree with everything you said especially because it's on uh nintendo switch online which uh really if you've got a switch you should have an SO. You know, it's, it's 20 bucks a year. You exactly. Got it. Exactly. So yeah, uh, I think that's that's about it for this episode. All right, man. I would agree with you. Uh, any any last thoughts before we start breaking up? I would I'll say uh, make sure to follow us on, on Facebook at Nintendo's Podcast and Twitter uh, at Nintendgems. And you can always follow me at JakeyWakey with two Ys at the end Wakey. Give us a follow, give us a like, share with your friends. And we will see you next time for the next episode of Nintendo Gems. Be looking forward to that because sneak peek, Paper Mario's coming out. Ooh. Oh boy. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, my name is Brayden. And I'm Jake. And this has been Nintendo Gems. We will see you next time. See you later, guys.